0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Sometimes you just need a little spiritual guidance to help get your life back together. It can be compared to mosaic art many little pieces that come together to form something beautiful. Welcome to the Mosaic Garden. Your host is Mosaic Shaman, Christy Ellen. Christy and her guests are here to ensure that your life is just as you deserve it to be. Happy. Now, here's your host, Christy Ellen.
2: Welcome to the Mosaic Gardens. This is Christy Ellen, the Mosaic Shaman. Today, we're talking about building empowering relationships. So, we're going to talk about what does that mean to have an empowering relationship? There's all sorts of relationships. We have relationships. With our children, we have relationships with the people at work. We have relationships with our friends. Everything that we do is is pretty much a relationship. And the relationship I want to talk about mostly today is the relationship with yourself. That's the empowering relationship, the one you have with you that can take and create this person that you can present out to the world. Um, So empowering can mean a lot of things. And that word's getting thrown around a lot these days I hear. Powerful women, powerful this, empowering that. Um, so I don't want to make it old, but the empowering part of what I think is empowering is when you can have a voice to speak up for what you want that actually comes from your heart. It comes from a heart-centered place, a place of love, and you can ask for what you want and have boundaries around yourself. That's another word. And that boundaries is just having a, a space that you will allow yourself to be healthy and not allow anything else in that does not meet up to that requirement of what you are defining as your healthy boundaries. Um, I didn't grow up with boundaries. I don't know if most of you out there had them, but some of us who didn't, boundaries were a whole new thing to me. I was told to be a people pleaser, to give everyone what they needed, and their needs met more than my own needs. And then if I had any needs and I was trying to take care of those, I was called selfish. So there is something different between being self-centered, where it's all about me, and, and that that is definitely, and, and we do the mosaic work here, right, and the schematic work, and that is talking about the medicine wheel. So in Serpent, on the medicine wheel, which is the south, if you're new to the program, we're going to explain that to you. In the south is what we call Serpent, which is shedding our skin. Um, it's the awareness. Um, it's the beginning. It's held in the first and second chakras of the kundalini. So when you're in that self of it's just me and I don't care about anyone else, that's not where empowerment comes from. That sense of self is I'm grounded and I'm connected to the earth. That's what serpent does. It connects us to the earth. And then we have to move up the chakras and move on the medicine wheel. And we move up into the third chakra, which is jaguar. And jaguar's direction is in the west. And jaguar is about couplehood. Now it's like how do I keep myself centered in my space, and bring someone else into it, and have those boundaries of sharing. So it's, it's kind of, I understand it's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing to figure out not to become self-centered, where it's all about me and no one else matters, and yet to be in your true self, to know that you do need to have boundaries. Those boundaries keep you safe. And no one is going to treat you any better than you treat yourself, the high level that you hold yourself at the level of of um, understanding, the level of relationship is how everyone else is going to hold you. And we talk in on the show here, and you've heard me speak many times, about the shadow work and that somebody else reflects. They come into your life and they reflect back to you what you need to clear up and change about yourself. And once you change inside of yourself, the way you see the world, the world around you will change. And that comes from being connected to that that empowering part of who you divinely are, that divinely source. And that happens when we get into Jaguar. Because when we get into Jaguar, we're talking about somebody else, somebody else. How do I have a relationship with somebody else? When I first got, um, maybe you can relate to this, maybe some of you have gone through this, when I first got out of a relationship that i have been in for 30 years, all I wanted to do was be with myself and then I wanted to go find myself and it was really easy to be in a relationship when I had no one else around. But when I took that out into relationship with other people, that's when the test came. That's when I got to learn about what are my boundaries, who who do I bring into my world, and how do I treat others, and how do they treat me, and how do I treat myself, and what kind of love do I have for myself. And that's been a journey, and it's a journey that we're all on on this planet, trying to figure out how do we um stay in that right as a shaman we call it right aini which is right relationship with our higher source how do we stay in that right relationship with our higher source because it's really easy to get off balance um there was this um movement about you got to do what you need to do and do your own thing and it went to the other way it it took it didn't balance out it became very self-centered very much in the first chakra with serpent so as we move up and we get into jaguar we know that there's another person that we're gonna to connect to. And then as we move up further on the medicine wheel and we go through the heart, which is the connector of, of the lower and upper chakras, the heart, where love resides, where, where messages come into the heart and then we speak them through the mouth. And that comes through the voice. The voice is where, on the medicine wheel, hummingbird resides. And hummingbird is the direction of the north. And that is the ancestors. That is that we're connected. We have family, we have lineage, we have people, we have children, we have others. And when we're in that hummingbird, we get to have that voice and that ability to speak our truth of who we are and where we're coming from. And when it comes up through the chakras and through the heart, then it comes from a place of love. It's not in the brain. It's not in the ego. It's not in the the, I am, tell me what I'm going to do. It's in the I am divine, show me how I can help. It's I am divine. Show me how I can help, how I can be my best self. And then you move on the medicine wheel to the direction of the east, which is eagle condor. And in that, which goes up through the third eye, through the wisdom into the top of the crown, is your ability to see things from a higher perspective. You're connected to everything. You are that God source. You are that divine. You are in that place of no thought. You're in that place of, of, of no suffering. You're in a place of divine oneness. You can look around and see things are just what they are, but you don't have to have a judgment around them. That's what we're working at. We're working at getting into that place. As shaman, that's where I work. I work with my clients. I work in Eagle Condor. And then I pull in Great Spirit, which is a mother, the earth, the planet, the feminine. And then I call on. I call in Pachamama, excuse me, Pachamama, which is the mother, the earth, the feminine, and then great spirit that marries with that, and the great spirit is the higher divine, the God source. So I bring those two together, and then I have a completion of the male-female, because we all have a male-female side in in our bodies too. So when we're talking about this divine empowering relationships, um, talking about coming from a place of I am the divine. And therefore, I I deserve to be treated divinely. I am that God's source. And the other person that I'm looking at, they are that God's source too. So how do I treat them in that divine light? Do I see the divine in them? Do I see the divine in everyone I meet? And yet seeing that divine doesn't mean that they get to come in to my energy source and my world and create create chaos or treat me disrespectful. So it's, it's being able to say, I know who I am. I've just been meeting myself this last year. It's an amazing process. I hope you're meeting yourself because we've been on the radio learning and sharing about that. I've brought some great guests on to help you learn about and help me learn, help all of us learn as they're learning about how we can be empowering beings to move forward in a time that is so necessary on this planet right now, so necessary for love, healing, and connection to the divine. So, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that fairy tale part of a relationship. You know, the knight and the white, you know, and the white horse is going to come and rescue. For so long, I expected my opposite to come in, my my masculine to come in and rescue me and take care of me and and give me all that I had and if I didn't get it and I wasn't happy it was because they weren't giving it to me and um, you can see my voice it's like it's not right and I've learned to understand that it's not their job to make my life easier it is their job however to join in and share with me in that divine light and it is my job to, to, to join in and share with them and not even a job it's my privilege to join in and share with them in the divine. I'm looking for those words that will will help. As as I, as I, we are in new places right now, we're in a new garden. I just listened to Carolyn, um, Carolyn my son. She's actually going to be on the show here in March. So um, I'm divinely blessed to have her here um, speaking to us. I believe it's the 14th of March. I have her live on the show. And I was listening to some of her her um, um, presentations of her recent ones, and she was talking about we're in a new garden. And we are in a new garden, and I'm not sure how this garden works. I'm trying to figure it out, planting new seeds. And as I hear in Phoenix in the studio live doing that, planting new seeds, and looking forward to the the most amazing year ever on this planet to grow and move forward and share because the platform for sharing is growing here, and I'm so excited about that. So, looking at this relationship in this new garden, um, this fairy tale story, had to let go of, because it, it's not serving us to think that somebody else has the responsibility to make us happy. We get to share that happiness with someone else. Um, I just met someone, and we are we decided to share that that journey together, and uh, he invited me to go with him to a relationship workshop last night and as i was sitting in this group in the church on the sanctuary um, talking about relationships the the minister was sharing about how you can sit with your divine person the person you're in relationship with and look at them and how because we have so many things with texting and all that going on right now and electronics is amazing it's it's moved us forward i'm not going to go into to saying that i don't think it's important in our lives i'm saying that that where we're now no longer having conversation that we can be texting. I was in a restaurant, and I watched a couple on their phone texting and their mother sitting across from them, looking at them, longing to be in the conversation. They brought the food. They ate. They went back to texting. There was no exchange of words. The whole entire time, I sat there and ate. So are we having exchange with another human being? Are we seeing them? To sit down with this person that you've met and to look into their eyes, just look into their eyes to see them, To totally see them. I like to sit in a cross-legged position across from the person that I'm meeting and look into their eyes and totally see them. I had this experience with my daughter where we got to have eye contact and we spent um, four minutes looking at each other's eyes without speaking. It brought tears to my eyes because I really saw her soul. For the first time, I started to see her as a human being and understand her instead of judge her as a mother trying to help her, telling her what to do. I saw her as an individual person. So looking into the eyes of the one you love, sitting across from them, seeing them, taking some slow, deep breaths with that person, breathing in and exchanging that energy with them, and then to be able to ask them what they want in a relationship. What is it that they want? And listen. And then you can have them ask you what you want in a relationship and share and have them listen to really listen to each other and see if you're really where you want to be in a relationship with each other. And that was a really great exercise. I'm going to let you know when I do it. We just heard about it last night. We're both excited about sitting down and sharing that. Um, Another thing is that I worked in the women's shelter for a few years. And what I saw there was some wounded people. There was a wounded man and a wounded woman. And the reason that that wounding came I was able to go to some seminars and learn about that. And that is that if you have something inside yourself that makes you feel like you're less than and you're not good enough and you're not all that you're divinely meant to be, and you go out seeking someone else to make you feel good about that on the external, they will never be able to meet up to that expectation. So what they were saying was happening in abuse is they would get in a relationship and one partner would want to take care of the other partner, be the fixer, and then one other one was seeking to be, have that hurt person in that hurt child inside fulfilled and fixed. And when you reach outside, there's this disappointment. When the disappointment came, there would come the anger. And say so you came up from work tired and you didn't have your needs met, then you would yell at the person for not giving you what you needed. And this would ex- escalate because that would make that person feel worse inside, the person doing the yelling. I'm the same person because I don't want to do male and female because I found both happens. There's abuse on both sides. And so this, this person that is seeking outside for that feeling of good now feels worse because they acted out and they threw fit and they were a wounded child. And then it escalates to then it becomes more violent, and maybe it's throwing something. Then they feel worse, and then they bring the flowers, and they're sorry, and they'll never do it again. And then then they because they don't feel good inside, because they're not going internally to do work. You've got to go internally to do the work. Still seeking outside, when that can't come in, then the violence escalates to somebody ends up getting hurt and even died, and can die from this. So the, the thing is to go inside and find out what's inside of you that needs to be healed. That sore, or wounded person, a child, whatever's inside that needs the healing and work with that. Go to soulhealerspath.com, soulhealerspath.com, christieellen.com, themosaicshaman.com. You're going to find me. They're all going to go the same place. I've made it easy. I'm the only mosaic shaman out there. So go in there to the mosaic shaman and you'll find me and then I can help you walk this path because that's what I do. I help you go in and, and find that completion inside because it's not going to come out external. It's not the new car. It's not the new dress. It's not the new person. It's going to be inside that healing that comes from that. So now I want you to take and put your feet on the ground to get yourself in that comfortable position. We're going to ground ourselves as we do a grounding meditation. Breathing into the donkey in the belly, dropping in and relaxing in, into the sit bones, into that place, into that divine place in your garden. I'm asking you on your breath to go into your garden. See where you are right now on the medicine wheel. No judgment, just see where you are. Are you in serpent? Have you moved into Jaguar, where now you know that there's someone else in your life besides yourself? Have you moved into Hummingbird, where you know that you came from an ancestral line and that what you do now will affect the people going ahead of you? Are you in Eagle Condor, where you know that you're connected to everything and there's nothing that separates you from your God source? Just sit with it. Be all right with it. Welcome it. Know that it's going to bring you in to where you are right now in this divine place. Knowing that you can move up the medicine wheel anytime. Call in the mother, the great potchy mother of the earth. Call in the divine Holy Spirit of of the Father, the masculine. It can be anything, it's just great spirit. Bring it in, the divine understanding. Bring that masculine and feminine together because you are both of those things. See that in yourself. Ask that yourself sit across from you in this meditation and look into your eyes. See the holiness of who you are. This divine being of light and love. This being of understanding. Love that part of you. Love that heart of who you are. This is you in all your glory and beauty. Love who you are. You came from a God source that loves you so much. Whatever you want to call that God source, you came from that energy of light and love. You came from a love source that loves you deeply. Breathe that in. Now with your breath, take it into your heart and hold it there. Hold it in that place, that place of divine understanding. There is this island in the Pacific that is very small, and in that island, all the people on the island know that they're going to be together and see each other every day. And so they have this policy. It's called the four things that they say. I think it's called Poi Poi. Um, I might be wrong on the definition of that, but it's, it's a practice they have that says, please forgive me, I love you, and thank you for being in my life. As you sit in this place, bring that in. Tell that part of you, please forgive me, I love you, and thank you for being part of my life. I ask all those out there that I know that I love that they forgive me, please forgive me for my humanness and my mistakes that I may make. I love you, and thank you for being in my life. Tell my listeners there, thank you for being there as well. So there's this um, reading I was reading the other day about John Beasley, Um, my inspirational reading, and he said, My work has the ability to change souls, and that is a gift. When you can change lives, when you have the gift, then that is the song you must sing. A lot of times people don't know their song. It it takes courage to find your song, and it takes harmony to find the pitch. That is what my guest, Deborah Ann Davis, has done. She has found her song. She's going to share with us today. She's an award-winning author, and she's going to share with us how she helps girls find a relationship within their boundaries. Fairly Certain and Fairly Safe is a book that she wrote. New book she's writing is Girl's Guide to Good Guys and the Power of Being Patient and Picky. So, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. So, stay with us, and we'll be right back with my guest, Deborah Ann Davis. Thank you.
1: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america
0: it's time to live an inspired life join christy Allen, the mosaic shaman as she enhances the quality of your life healing with art is christy's focus at soulhealerpath.com, if you follow the steps and use the skill that Christy Ellen teaches in Soul Healer's Path Life Coaching, doing your part and taking 100% of the responsibility for your life, changing your life story, then in one year's time, you could be living the inspired life of your dreams. Soul Healer's Path Life Coaching offers four life coaching packages, starting with a serpent path, which is all about awareness and letting go of what you do not want to have and embracing what you do, go to Soul Healers Path and sign up for a one-month session of Clearing the Light Body. So come and walk the medicine wheel with Christy Ellen. Visit SoulHealerPath.com or call 435-260-9598 for a special newcomer's one-month coaching package for just $300. Christy Ellen is an intuitive healer and master creator. Let her guide you to living the life to which you were born to live. And go from ordinary to extraordinary.
1: Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching Keyword Voice America. This is Welcome to the Mosaic Garden with Christy Ellen. To connect with the show today, please call 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or you may send an email to healingart.kp at gmail.com. Now, back to Welcome to the Mosaic Garden.
2: Welcome back to the Mosaic Gardens. This is Christy Allen, the Mosaic Shaman. And today we're talking about building and empowering relationships. And I have a very special guest. Her name is Deborah Ann Davis. She's a high school teacher, and she raised a daughter, and she was a teenager. Her mission is to help young families live their lives more fully, living their lives more fully and becoming comfortable with being single and choosing to be picky and patient until a healthy relationship presents itself. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited to learn about that because picky and patient – wasn't something I did in the beginning, and I'm starting to do now, Debra. Thank you. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: So what does it mean to be picky and patient, by the way?
3: Well, the thing is that uh, the workbook is, is uh, geared towards teenage girls, and teenage girls have a problem that their frontal lobe, which is the part of the brain for reasoning, isn't developed yet. But they're Part of the brain that's designed for immediate gratification and for anxiety and panic are well-developed, so they tend to make quick, snap decisions and um, judgments instead of being patient and being picky.
2: Yeah, I, I understand. In, in that training, I did a l- heard a little bit about that. I did some training when I was working with the women's shelter, and they were saying it, that that's why addiction is formed, too, because people in that middle part of the brain just want their gratification.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and then they- the part that's still growing learns, or I should say develops, with the addiction as part of it.
2: Uh, and then they don't even understand the consequences. Um, I dealt with uh, a child that had some addictions, and I couldn't understand that the judge would tell him, "This is going to happen if you do this," and he just paid no attention. Until I started understanding the development of that part of the brain, then where does it go well, to the next part of the brain? Share with that for us for a minute, so we can understand a little bit about the growth. Say that again. So, so the the first the middle part of the brain. Then once that is it developed. If um, you're not stuck in that, and you can move to the front part of the brain. What's the difference in that?
3: Well, the frontal lobe is the um, reasoning and um, cognitive development sections, And it is growing the whole time. It's just that it's not fully developed until we're about 26 or so. But the interesting thing is that if you take a 15-year-old whose brain is definitely focused on instant gratification, and you explain that this is the way their brain works, they can make better decisions. Oh, nice. If you tell them it's a physiological thing in your body, they go, oh, okay, then I can avoid that.
2: Then they have an understanding of what's happening, then they can be patient. That's right. Nice. That's right.
3: Um, but you can't just say be patient. You have to fill the <laughs> void with something else. Well, you, yeah, because you want to wanna, say here's some alternatives of things you can do instead.
2: Yeah, I, I want to learn too. I, you know, I I wasn't one of those children that when my mom would say do it just because I said so, it didn't make any sense. But if she explained to me why she wanted me to do certain things, I was more willing to do it.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: I wanna, I understand. So you wrote this book called Fairly Certain and Fairly Safe. Can you tell Actually, me just... Actually, there's two books. Oh, good. They're, Go um, ahead.
3: young adult novels. Okay. And uh, they're quirky suspense, and they have surprise endings because I like to read surprise endings.
2: Oh, very nice. So what uh, motivated you to write these books?
3: The first book... Um, let's see. How do I say this? Fairly Safe was the first story I started to write, and that happens because... I was ill with Lyme disease and pretty much marooned on my couch. And I couldn't even watch TV. The Lyme disease affected my heart. My heart rate actually got down to 37 beats a minute, so I had no energy to do anything. And um, my attention span was short, so really all I could do was listen to music. And I was listening to some songs and a storyline started to form in my head. And uh, when I got better, I started jotting them down. And then when I got healthy enough to go back to teaching, I said, you know, I'm going to write this. And I started writing during the summer because anybody who knows a teacher knows that you can't do anything except teaching during the school year.
2: Yes. Yes.
3: But um, (laughs) I went to my first uh, Renaissance fair and I completely stopped writing that story and started a different one, which is now Fairly Certain, and based on the Renaissance Fair. And that one came out first. And afterwards, I went back and finished Fairly Safe.
2: Oh, very nice. So um, where and what do you teach then?
3: I am a former teacher. I stopped teaching two years ago to write full-time. But I used to teach... um, environmental science, and biology, and earth sciences. And I've taught in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Georgia, and a wide variety of students. I've taught everything from seventh grade to seniors, and I've taught everything from um, inner city to affluent environments.
2: So you've worked with a wide variety of children in different situations and circumstances.
3: Exactly.
2: Do but children still, learn? With all that variety, yeah. you
3: still saw similarities between all the groups.
2: That's what I was going to say. Do, was there a similar uh, pattern, or do people that come from different backgrounds learn a little bit differently?
3: Um, yes to both of those questions. Okay. Yes, from similar backgrounds, they learn differently, and from different backgrounds, they learn similar, similarly, and um, there are patterns that you see with kids across the board. Um, the same variations you'll see in an inner city, you'll see in the same things in a, um, a middle-income community. So,
2: so what are the learning styles then?
3: Um, learning styles were introduced into the schools a few years back. Well, actually, <laughs> I'm dating myself a couple of decades back, and um, they were an attempt to explain the differences in the way students learn. And there's a lot of people out there who don't agree with the idea of using learning styles in the schools. And I think that that has to do with the fact that people think they need to switch over everything entirely to something. And um, what I'd like to say is that that is not the way I believe it should be approached. But first of all, a learning style is basically the preferences a person has on the way they want to receive information there are certain ways that are more conducive to their personality and type and when they get to learn in those forms they are they experience success at an earlier age and if they are not allowed to work in that form sometimes it can be difficult but the problem is that when the schools embraced learning styles, they wanted to do it all or nothing, which is not appropriate because we are combinations of all three styles, or all four styles, depending on which um, book you're reading. But the thing is that the, the advantage of identifying your learning style is it tells you two things. It tells you where your strengths are, and it tells you where your weaknesses are, okay. are. And if I may use an analogy, I'm also a personal trainer. And you know people, the um, stereotype of a guy at the gym... Who works his biceps all the time, so his arms are huge, but he has skinny legs. Okay. One of the reasons he works his upper body so much is because his upper body is strong and he can see more gains and he um, gets more reward from it. And the reason why his legs don't get worked is because they're weaker and it's more difficult. So you tend to do the part that is easier the part you enjoy. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. But really, what you have to do is. Um, work the part that is weak because the objective is to have balance. So the same thing's true with learning styles. The first ones that were established were um, visual learners, auditory learners, and kinesthetic learners. And if you were strong in one of those areas, then they thought, well, then that's the way you need to be taught. But I believe that if you're strong in one of those areas, then You use that for early successes, but then you spend some time shoring yourself up in the other areas.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. I know that and then uh, I make a list of things I need to do and I pick the one I don't like to do first because it's actually the one that's going to give me the most growth. That's right. People probably can relate to that out there. The things that you are choosing not to do are probably the things that will move you forward towards your goal more than anything.
3: Exactly. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. If we stay with so, the thing we know all the time, then we're now going to grow and expand the brain. Isn't, doesn't that sound like that's still in that middle part of the of the brain, that kind of thinking?
3: Um, really, it's, it does the frontal lobe where the reasoning and uh, logic is.
2: Okay. So it's not about self-gratification to stick with the things I like and... And, oh um, the
3: sticking with the things yeah, that you that's like, what I'm yes. I thought you yeah. meant the developmental. Yeah yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so
2: sticking with what you like and only doing what, what um, you enjoy and not and being sticking able to with what
3: you're good at.
2: Yes, we'll keep you in the middle part of the brain and not move you into the cognitive part of the adult brain, right? That's right.
3: Okay. That's right. So how And the uh, other thing is kids because of the way kids' egos are, uh-huh. when they say, Well, I can do this but, but I can't do that, then they tend to shy away from it because they're worried about failing.
2: Yeah, and failing is, a, is part of the growth of it. Um, I I look at that, in, and I was in a relationship with someone who would only do what he was good at. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see him grow very much. And then on the other hand, because I had tried a lot of new things and not been really good at it, I wasn't afraid to try something new because yes. I knew that it didn't kill me to fail. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, embarrassment was you know was there, but it actually I lived through it, and I learned to have more of a sense of humor from it. So the ability to to, to um, try something new and be open to that. How does that relate to having healthy relationships?
3: Well, if you figure out what your learning style is, basically that will tell you how you take in information and everything, not just school. It will tell you how you receive um, communication from other people. It will tell you if you're a child how you are um, interacting with your parents or what's a better way to interact with your parents. And if you are dating, then it will help clear up some of the confusion about, um, like from the girl's point of view, why in the world did the guy react that way? That's not what I was expecting.
2: Well, that can go into a, an adult relationship as well, right? Cause, exactly. yeah, there's For
3: adults, it goes both directions. The yeah. people that you're dating or your own grown parents or your children.
2: You can understand why they're behaving the way they are. So what, what inspired you to start working with helping girls to um, find these kind of healthy relationships? So there's something behind that?
3: Yes. When I was teaching um, in a rural community, one day two girls came into my classroom and slammed the door behind themselves and plastered themselves up against the, way, the wall going, shh, shh, don't say anything. So I thought they were playing a game, but it turns out that they were hiding from an abusive boyfriend, and they came to me to ask if they could use my classroom for their locker, because the boy was catching them at um, her locker in between classes. So I told them they could use my room if, two conditions, if the drama stayed away from my room because I wasn't having that and the other thing was that she had to come see me after school once a week and we would talk about how she got into this situation because her friend told me that this had been happening to her since she had been in the 7th grade and now she was 15
2: Wow, Does that carry on into adulthood too? Do you see a pattern with um, teenage girls that don't learn how to handle that going into adulthood?
3: Unless patterns are interrupted, you will see that continuing. There's no reason for it not to, unless it's interrupted.
2: Uh, and so how did this situation... Yeah, go ahead. I'm yeah. sorry? I was just going to ask you that. How is the situation with her? What, what happened from this?
3: She um, came to me, and we only had about two months left of school, so she came to me all the time, and then um, we summarized everything that we had discussed into a little cheat sheet, and, you know, then we went our separate ways. You fast forward five years, and I was at a convenience store, and I heard this shriek, Mrs. Davis, and she comes running over to me and envelops me in this big hug and uh, whips out her wallet and shows me this little cheat sheet we had made five years earlier. She'd had it laminated, and she says, kind of in a shy voice, I've been single for almost two years and i could hear and feel the pride in her and then she waved over her friend and her friend pulled out her wallet and showed me a cheat sheet they had made for her and they were not the same things because these were the things that they truly wanted for themselves and this was something to go back and refer to when they were getting interested in a guy And this girl said to me, and I didn't even know her, she said to me, I've been single for almost six months. And they were so pleased. And they were the ones who told me I needed to put this into a workbook so that other girls could benefit from it. But at the time, I wasn't a writer. I was just a teacher. So once I started writing, I said, I have to revisit this.
2: So a couple of things I want to bring up. Um hear about this cheat sheet you're creating. Is it, is it like a list of what they wanted in a relationship that would be healthy?
3: Yes, and it is a, it's, a, it's very specific to them because it has to do with the, um, the must-haves, the things that you absolutely cannot do without because if that was missing in your relationship, your relationship would not be a he- healthy one or happy one. So it took them a while to wade through that, to figure out what it was that they wanted. And in order to do that, they really had to get to know themselves.
2: Uh, going inside and figuring out who they are. Now, you're not promoting hel- uh, single relationships, are you?
3: Nope. All okay. I'm saying is figure out who you are. Because when you know who you are, it'll be so much easier for you to be in a relationship. Well,
2: let's talk more about that, too, because I want, I want to be clear that not saying that everyone has to stay single forever it's just say single until you find that person that's actually going to make your life better what i'm promoting together.
3: is that being single is just fine yes there's nothing wrong with it okay. and if a person hasn't come along that's going to move you out of being single then there's nothing wrong with being single
2: yeah i know there's a lot of um People that, um, I, you know, I've, I've been single for six years now and I've been a lot of people that just like, i got to find somebody, i got to find someone. It's like, well, I've got to learn to be okay with being with myself right now.
3: Exactly, exactly. And you take a teenage girl where everything from the media to the movies to the magazines to the gossip in the school is all geared towards you have to have a boyfriend. You're not socially successful unless you have a boyfriend. Well,
2: I, I'm going to and, take that further, too, because I, I believe that that's what I hear um, even now um, in adulthood. You've got to have a person to be with. you got to be in a relationship. You just, life doesn't, even in my church, it was all about the fact that you got to be married because if you're not married, there's something wrong with you. Um,
3: but historically, we needed that. We needed to have a male and a female unit to make the farm run or to run the store you had to have that and now that we're moved beyond that societally there's not the same need it's not I'm not saying the need's not there I'm just saying the need has changed
2: yeah so looking at creating a healthy relationship is far more important than looking at just creating a relationship just for the sake of having a relationship
3: exactly but yeah. you can have relationships on your path of growth, right? So you don't yeah. have to marry every single person that you meet. Really? You can be with them and <laughs> learn how to be with them. I know some people do.
2: Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Some do marry everybody. This, this, this is a personal story. I, don't, I hope I don't get in trouble for sharing here because it's about my dad. But my dad was married seven times, and he used to tell me, I'm getting married so I can have sex. And I thought, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, just he just, must have
3: been really good at it if he'd done it so
2: many times. No, he wasn't very good at the marriage <laughs> part. <laughs> but that was the reason he was getting into it, not based on love. It was like mm-hmm. to, um, when that can get into a whole different topic here. I don't know if we want to go that path, but it's the religious stuff. Of There was a religious belief that you just had to be married in order to do that. I'm watching some, some problems happening in um, other family members who are young and just getting married. I'm um, doing it for that reason too because they have this love growing inside, but they, because of religious beliefs, feel like now they got to rush the marriage in order to fulfill the, 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 the drive of the body. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let, let's just talk about that for a minute. I always go to places that.
3: Oh, could I just add genuine? one more thing? You here? certainly can. <laughs> the teenage body is designed to procreate.
2: Yes. It's that's why we're, That's what we're going to talk to into. You
3: feel hot under the collar when uh-huh. a boy walks by, and that's really hard to separate from the intellectual thoughts about what do I want for myself in 10 years.
2: And that's exactly where we're going with this conversation. It's like that's why I said, let's just go into this territory of the hormones versus like logic thought about what to do. I know, yeah, hormones ran really strong when I was a teenage girl and mm-hmm. it got me in a lot of trouble. In fact, that's why I ended up married because I got pregnant really young. So um, how does a how does a person deal with that? I mean, teenager or otherwise with that drive? Because there are a lot of adults out there still running their life from their hormones too.
3: Well, what I try to do is I try to take the um, focus away from the guys and put it on the girls when I'm dealing with girls, I try to take it away from the exterior and turn it towards you. What is it that you want? I know you have the hormones. I know you have the desires. I know this. And I'm not saying that they're not supposed to be there, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. But besides that, what do you really want for you? What would really, really, really make you happy? (laughs) And I start in a superficial way, like, what's your dream guy look like? And Mm -hmm. let them describe, you know, um, height and hair color and hobbies and things like that. And then from there, if they, um, how do you feel about them in terms of what you want them to have morally? And what do you want them to have in terms of family values? And how do you feel about the isms, like sexism and racism and all the other ones? And... And so then they have to look at, you know, once they've, they've described their ideal guy, which for some of them is like somebody on TV. Mm-hmm. And do- you say, but what do you really want? And uh, there's a, there's a, do you really care if the guy is taller than you? Do you really care if he treats his mother right? Do you really care if he's shy? So that helps them sort out what they want. And what these girls were doing with their cheat sheet, the girls that I had as students, is that when they would meet a guy and they'd make their heart flutter, before they made any decisions after they started dating them, they would go back to their cheat sheet and say, do I really want to pursue this? Because like one of them says, we still date Mrs. Davis, but (laughs) the girl has to stay busy.
2: Yeah, yeah, well, (laughs) it would help see the red flags when they come up because, you know, there's always sometimes these red flags that come up and you don't see them until after you're out of the relationship and then your friends all tell you about them. But they were everywhere and ignoring that. I want to talk a bit about this this passion that, that comes up inside. Can that be redirected towards something else too besides um, just giving the body the satisfaction that it needs when it's driven at that age?
3: Oh, of course. There's so many ways to entertain teenagers. Of course, um, one of the big ones is sports. But... Anything. I mean, some of them are passionately reading and some of them are passionately doing art and some of them are passionately writing music. So, yes, there's always something else. But the point is, redirecting doesn't answer the question, what do I really want in a guy? Yeah. What do I want to hold out for? And can I, I can have fun with this person right here, but do I really want it to go any further than that?
2: There's. A, I worked with some women in the sh- in the shelter for a couple of years, and I had them do this process: sit down and write what you want in a relationship. We're going to have a fun day. We're going to just sit down and dream big. Mm-hmm. And um, I was surprised at the answers I got. There were about four things that they they wrote down. And because of the situations that they were in, because they hadn't been educated, that's another mm-hmm. thing I want to talk about, the education, how important it would have been to, to learn. It. As a, I would have loved to learn how to get in and out of a relationship. And, and the out part, too, when it wasn't good. I'm going to go back to the story for a minute, and then we'll talk about the in and out as well. It's is that these women wrote these four things. I want him to have a job. I want him to have not been in jail. No addiction. And not live with his mother. Oh, and then they'd add, and if he had a car, that would be nice. And <laughs> I thought, wow. I see ladies, we're li- these are adult women, but they had been through mm-hmm. abuse. And I said, let's dream a little bigger than that. And you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that may make other people out there uncomfortable. But when I became single in this community I lived in, I saw those four five things that only sixty percent of the people mm mm-hmm. I, I mean, sixty percent of the men out there were not able to fill those five things. They weren't and, even fit and, three and of them on the older, thing. <laughs> as you get older,
3: as you get older, that that number decreases. That percentage decreases.
2: Yeah. So to sit there and, and dream big about what you want, and you know, it goes both ways. I, I know we're working with teenage girls right now, but I also I've got some guys in, that are dating good friends of mine that are dealing with the same kind of problems. Um, that so so to have, have education on how to get into a healthy relationship and how to get out if it's not. I wish I'd had the knowledge of somebody that would come to me and say, this is how you get out of it. Because I always felt bad that I didn't want to hurt him, and I stayed mm-hmm. longer than I needed.
3: Yes, I know. Yeah. I'm, 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 I was the kind of personality where I just cut the strings and went
2: yeah, my daughter's like that. I look up to that. I was one that thought, because I was taught to be the people pleaser. I've learned. I've learned, and I believe reason I now I'm opening up to a good, healthy relationship is because I decided not to take the guy that's like 99% who, what mm-hmm. I want, and I went for the 100. I mean, I, they got closer and closer, but I'm going for the 100, and that's difficult. When you
3: visualize what it is that you want, the whole unifor- universe conspires to help you achieve it.
2: Really? And you how does that work?
3: Wait. I don't know how
2: that works. <laughs> <laughs> There's a mystery about it, right? But it works. That's does it right. work? I
3: just know that with, if you visualize what it is that you want mm-hmm. and you stay fast and steady to that, that will eventually make its way over to you. Excellent. Um, I mean, other people call it the power of prayer. I mean, mm-hmm. however you want to look at it. It does
2: happen. There is some but magic there. you
3: have there. to define it first.
2: Yeah, you, you it's like putting your order in and then you get it. I don't believe you go to a <laughs> restaurant and just stand there and say, you know, especially if let's say we're going out for pizza and we stand there and they say, what do you want? I want a pizza.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you may not get what you want unless you tell them what you want on it, right? Choosing the exactly. toppings for the pizza will help you get the pizza you want. Otherwise, you're, th- you're both going to stare at each other for a long time trying to figure out. They could guess. They can give you something, but it won't be what you want unless you ask. So is the and same thing. That's why I
3: make the cheat sheet so small because it makes you be specific.
2: Oh, excellent, excellent. So, um, tell us about where um, they can find your books and, and about. Let's talk about the new book you're putting out as well.
3: the um, The fiction novels are on sale basically every place you go buy books: Amazon, um, Indiebound, um, Barnes and Noble. Just, they're all over the place. Kobo, every, they're for sale everywhere.
2: And the names again?
3: Um, fairly certain. That's a story about a computer geek who's playing a GPS game in the woods, and he falls out of a tree because, you know, he's a geek. And when he wakes up, he thinks he's back in Robin Hood times. Oh, fun. And it takes a person who defines himself in a, as an awkward person and makes him rise up to a higher level because he needs to come to the aid of somebody else.
2: Oh, how nice. Service, too. All that sounds really good. And the other book?
3: The other book is called Fairly Safe. That's the story about a young man who has a part-time job chauffeuring a rich eccentric around to different fairs, and he meets a girl who is in witness protection but is on the run because her cover's been blown.
2: Oh, sounds intriguing. So they can find those at Amazon and anywhere else. And where can they go out? And they can
3: also go to my website. um, There's buy links there. And my website is www.DebraAnnDavis.com. And Deborah is spelled D-E-B-O-R-A-H-A-N-N-Davis, D-A-V-I-S.
2: All right. Deborah Ann Davis, W-W. And you're coming out with a new book. And the title of that is?
3: Um, I'm coming out with two new books. One is the um, third in the Love Affair series. That one's going to be called Fairly Obvious. And that one should be ready by the end of 2017. And the first of the Girl's Guide to Good Guys series is coming out in 2017. That one's um, with the editor right now. It just needs to be formatted and they'll be ready to go. So um, if you go to my website, you'll be able to see some excerpts from that. And that one is a workbook format. And uh, w- the second volume is going to be called, co- the first one is called um, Girl's Guide to Good Guys The Power of Being Patient and Picky. And the second one, which probably be out in 2018, is The Girl's Guide to Good Guys Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now.
2: Good. Well, you can go and find out more about Deborah Davis on her site, www.deborahndavis.com. I've um, been really happy having you here on the show. Would you share with us a message you'd like to leave with the listeners?
3: Yes. The, um, we are works of progress. And you never find the day in your life where you say, okay, I'm done. I have completely developed. We always develop and grow and learn. So if the people that in your life you're having conflicts with are um, difficult for you to understand, then try looking at the personality differences that you have because when personality one says A, B, C, personality two may be hearing X, Y, Z, which causes contention. And if you learn about how you guys are different and how you guys are the same, you can make things a lot smoother in your relationship.
2: Very nice. So learning to listen, connect... And uh, truly hear another human being what they want. Exactly. And when you don't hear what you want, when when you you've got this vision of what you want, and you're not quite getting it, and you you're not hearing what you want, what would be your advice to them?
3: Go for help, because it would be really cool if we all had came if we'd all come with instructions, but we don't. So if you're in a situation that you don't know what to do, then go find an expert who does. There's no need for you to be reinventing the wheel. And And check a couple of ideas, because one person's method may work with you and another person's method may not. For example, like in school, when you have the different learning styles, teachers all teach based on what makes sense to them, which is their best learning style. And the students who have that same learning style Do really well in their classroom because it's designed for them and the kids who don't have that learning style may have some difficulties so if you identify those differences then you can go say to the teacher can I do the lesson in this regard or can I get help in this area because now you know what the issue is
2: excellent and to the young girls out there you know make your list of what you want be patient be picky and if this answer comes back, this isn't what you want, then be free to say no That's and right. wait, because it'll come. I know it's scary. I remember thinking that it would never come, but it will come if you're patient and wait.
3: I also wanted to add that um, since I was doing a little talk on learning styles, I have strategies for what to do for different learning styles on my for the listeners today. So if you All you got to do is three easy things. Just go to my website and sign up for my quarterly newsletter and leave a comment on one of the blog posts and uh, mention the Mosaic Shaman. And then you will be able to um, receive the strategies for learning styles and how to deal with them. Excellent. Very helpful if you've got someone in your life is different than
2: you are. Excellent. Go there and, and, and check that out at www.DebraN.Davis. Deborah, it was really great having you here. We're actually going to leave now. We're in the, in our time, and we gosh, we just wish we had more. We could talk forever about this. It's a great subject, and I appreciate you sharing your time with us today.
3: Thank you very much for having me. I okay. totally loved it.
2: Okay. Namaste. Until next time, may the light of love shine upon you. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Welcome to the Mosaic Garden. Christy Ellen hopes that you will join her on another journey next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.